Hey, everybody, want to welcome you to Church Online. Uh, really glad that you're joining us today. Hey, I want to encourage you to uh, be keeping track of the church's Facebook page uh, and our website, nwcchurch.org, uh, for any announcements. I think we're going to have some announcements coming up uh, about how the church is going to begin to kind of slowly uh, reopen our ministry uh, over, over the next weeks. Uh, it's still going to be a while before we have uh, live Sunday events. Uh, but be sure to watch that, and, and hopefully in the coming uh, weeks, we'll, we'll have some more of those announcements. So just be sure to be uh, watching out for those. Uh, really, I can't say this strongly enough, I really miss you guys. Uh, and I'm excited for the day uh, when, we can, when we can worship together live uh, here uh, on our campus. So uh, love you guys, miss you guys, can't wait to see you again. Uh, so we're in the second to last week. We've got two weeks left of this series called Not Afraid. And uh, then we're going to begin a new series, May 31st, called Summer of Love, where we're going to be examining what the different biblical authors, uh, Moses, Jesus, uh, Peter, Paul, John, what some of the different biblical authors had to say about love. And, and like a diamond, we're going to kind of be taking the subject of love and we're just going to be examining it from every angle. And this was planned months ago, uh, but I think it's kind of the perfect topic uh, to be talking about in, in this season of our church and in this season of our culture. So can't wait to study that subject with you. Uh, but for now, let's go ahead and complete our Not Afraid series and uh, we'll pray and then we'll get into today's topic, okay? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for the example that he sets uh, of, of when it comes to courage and when it comes to kind of grace under fire and when it, when it comes to loving people that maybe have a different political ideology from you or a little bit of a different political bent. Uh, I think that this is a, a time where the church can really shine in our demonstration of love for one another, care for one another, and at the same time, having a, a courage that, that we, we are not afraid. So would you help us to do that well? We thank you again for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. There are these moments in time that leave you uh, not the same. There are these moments of time where, where you're never the same again. And those are in the positive moments of life. Consider having children for a minute. Having children is one of those things that just leaves you different, right? Life can't be just about you anymore. Finances cannot be about you anymore. Vacation time cannot just be about you anymore. Netflix cannot just be about you anymore. I have never seen so much uh, Sesame Street in all my life. Things are forever changed in the blink of an eye. The, the, this is also true in some of the kind of negative or hard or painful moments of life. Can, consider kind of what started with 9-11, but a, a series of events that have taken place in our country where there were shootings or uh, 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 terrorism or, or things like that. I think those events left us not the same, that, that we were different from those events. From, from the moment those events happened on, our nation was different. They ushered in this kind of uh, safety and security mindset that we really hadn't experienced before. And, and all of a sudden, workplaces are having these active shooter drills and churches are considering really for the first time how to make their buildings safe and secure when we weren't really having those conversations before those events. I think, just kind of my personal opinion, 
I think we're living in one of those moments right now where things from this day forward, from uh, back in March on, things are gonna be different. I wouldn't even wanna wager a guess on how they're going to be different and what life is going to look like from, from here forward, but here's what I do know. Different can be unsettling. Different can, cre- can create anxiety. Different can be really scary. And I think that's one of the things that is contributing to a lot of fear and anxiety that people are facing right now is they just don't know how things are gonna be different in the future. They don't know how things are gonna be different moving forward. And it's creating this angst and this, uh, uh, th- this feeling of, of fear this feeling of anxiety, and I don't want to kind of overstate what we're doing today, but I honestly believe what we're talking about today uh, can, can be a game changer in this. It is one of the biggest factors, what we're talking about today, that is going to settle our hearts and our minds and our fears. So I'm really glad you're joining us today. I, I think this is one of the most important topics that we're discussing today. And to get there, I want to give you a couple snapshots of the early disciples and early apostles uh, following the crucifixion of Jesus and during the crucifixion of Jesus. The first snapshot happens right in the middle of Jesus's trials that happened overnight. And you can imagine for the early apostles how scary this night must have been, that your leader is undergoing trial. He's most likely going to be put to death. You're wondering, is this my fate too? And one of the early apostles, Peter, he follows at a distance and he's kind of observing these trials as they unfold that night. And he finds himself at one point around a fire with several other people. And the campfire talk is about Jesus and what's going to happen and is he going to be crucified. And one of the people around that campfire recognizes Peter as one of the disciples of Jesus. Like, hey, you knew him, didn't you? And not once, not twice, but three times, Peter denies in that moment because of probably because of fear, anxiety, is Jesus' fate going to be my fate? All of that stuff, Peter denies three times ever knowing Jesus at all. Snapshot number two comes from us from John 20. Uh, uh, and on that eve- let me read to you uh, John 20, verse 19. On that, the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So this is obviously post-crucifixion and post-resurrection, but this is essentially first century quarantine. Only it's first century quarantine without Netflix, without Hulu, without Tiger King. And it's important to notice that in the hours after the crucifixion, before they really knew that Jesus had been raised from the the dead, the early uh, followers of Jesus were not out preaching They were not out proclaiming the resurrection. Here's what they were doing in the hours after the crucifixion and resurrection. They were afraid. They were locked in an upper room because they were concerned about how the Jewish leaders were going to treat them and what the Jewish leaders were going to do to them. That's snapshot number two. Number three comes in this scene in the water. Peter, uh, following uh, the crucifixion and following the resurrection, Peter is back doing to what he had been doing three years earlier. He's fishing. Jesus appears 
and he replicates this miracle that he had done before, and he kind of reinstates Peter from the denial. Peter denied Jesus three times, and three times Jesus asked Peter, uh, do you love me? And he kind of reinstates him in this, morning, in this moment. But I want you to see that in the days after the crucifixion and even the resurrection, Peter is not out proclaiming the risen Christ at the beginning. Peter is going back to what he knew before. He's going back to being a fisherman. Let me take an aside here just for a moment. I think that in times of fear and in times of anxiety, here's what we often, the temptation we often give into is that we go back to what feels safe. I think a lot of us are feeling this kind of deep in our hearts that we just want things to go back to the way they were before. We want to go back to our regular office hours. We want to go back to life as usual. But here's my question. What if God has something bigger in mind than what was normal before? Peter thought his future was fishing. After Jesus had been crucified, he's like, man, I'm just going to go back to being a fisherman. I'm just going to go back to what feels comfortable. And Jesus knew Peter's future was being a part of a, mo of a movement that would change history, that would change people's eternities. So I want to paint a picture of the way things were after the crucifixion, and even a little bit after the resurrection, as the disciples are denying, they're hiding, they're going back to what was familiar. And it's such an interesting thing, because in just a few chapters later, we will see Peter, the one who denied Jesus, get up and offer the first sermon to the early church. And it's a tough sermon. It, it, it is. It's found in Acts 2, starting in verse 14. Let me read to you part of this sermon. Then Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk. The spirit had come and they were being confused with being drunk. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to you by God, to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Again, that's Acts 2. And I can tell you, preaching a sermon like Peter preached takes tremendous courage. Essentially, the title of the sermon was, here's what I'm going to preach to you about today, You Killed Jesus. And you can imagine the guts. You can imagine the courage. You can imagine the strength that it takes to get up and, and deliver a sermon like this. It, it is a remarkable change. 
Right At one point, we see Peter going back to being a fisherman, hiding, afraid, denying Jesus. And now, essentially, he is standing up in a loud voice and saying, man, you killed the Christ, but there is grace available to you. There is new life available to you. God is not done with you yet. It's a remarkable change, isn't it? From hiding, afraid, uh, denying to standing up with great courage, great enthusiasm in one loud voice, preaching the gospel message that you kill Christ, but you can be forgiven. You kill Christ, but he's not done with you yet. You, you kill Christ, but there is hope for you. Peter is not the only one we see this change in. I've shared this list with you before, but I want to share with you what happened to the early church leaders, how they all came to die. Remember, this was the group that was hiding in the upper room. This is the group that that was uh, disengaged and afraid and going back to the life they knew before. And, And this is what ultimately happened to them as the book of Acts unfold. Peter and Paul, they're both martyred in Rome about uh, 66 AD during the persecution of Emperor Nero. Uh, Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified. Uh, Andrew, uh, he ended up preaching in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey and Greece, where it is said that uh, uh, Andrew was crucified. Thomas was probably most active in the region of Syria. Uh, History tells us that uh, he died uh, when he was pierced through uh, with the spears of four soldiers. Philip had a powerful ministry in North Africa and then in Asia Minor where he converted the wife of a Roman proconsul and in retaliation, the proconsul had Philip arrested and cruelly put to death. Matthew, the tax collector, the writer of the gospel, ministered in Persia and Ethiopia. Some of the oldest reports say uh, that he was stabbed to death in Ethiopia for the gospel. Bartholomew had a widespread ministry uh, in uh, India. He went with Thomas to Armenia and and Ethiopia, southern Arabia. And there are various accounts about how he met his death, but he is said to have been martyred for the gospel. Uh, James uh, had a ministry in Syria. The Jewish historian Josephus reports that he was stoned, and then when he didn't die by the stoning, he was later clubbed uh, to death. Simon the Zealot, the story goes that he ministered in Persia, and he was killed later after refusing to sacrifice to the sun god. Matthias, who replaced uh, Judas as an apostle, tradition sends him to Syria with Andrew, where uh, he was put to death uh, by burning. And so you see this change in mentality, this change in the story, this arc of courage, this arc of faithfulness in the story. They move from fear, just a few chapters ago, to faithfulness, from hiding to preaching, from cautious to persecuted. Here is my question and why I think this is such an important message for us. How does that happen? How does that kind of courage and sense of vision and sense of responsibility. How does that happen? And the first way it happens, it happens for two reasons. The first is the spirit. 
Certainly we know in Acts 2, right before Peter preaches the sermon, the spirit comes down to the believers and indwells them and uh, lives inside of them. The, the apostles were among those believers and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and it's this filling of the Holy Spirit that allows them to make the difference they were able to make. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit is at work inside of them and is at work inside of us. Every believer in Jesus receive the Holy Spirit. We know that from the Bible. And you say, what, what is the work of the Spirit in the life of a believer? Well, first of all, the Spirit is gifting you. That God has a specific contribution he wants you to make for the kingdom of God. And for some of you, that gifting is preaching and teaching. For some of you, it's encouraging others. For some of you, it's compassion. For some of you, it's working with your hands around the building. Everyone is gifted. Every believer in Jesus is gifted, and everyone has a difference that they are called to make in the world and in the kingdom of God. And I would encourage you, to not forget that during this pandemic. See, exercising your spiritual gift can be tricky during a stay-at-home order, but it is so worth it to figure it out. Man, how can I be? My gift is encouraging, you might say. How can I encourage people during this pandemic? How can I be helpful? My gift, you would say, is helps. How, how can I be helpful? How can I teach? How can I be generous with my gifts, even though we're, we kind of have this shelter-in-place order? And so the Spirit is doing that, and every believer did it, and the apostles is doing it in you too, gifting you. The Spirit is developing fruit in you. The apostle Paul wrote, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Allow me to repeat that list a little, bit, a little bit slower this time. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you receive the Holy Spirit, the Spirit begins to do this work in your heart and in your mind. And the truth is, the world, our world and our community needs the Spirit to do this work. And we need to demonstrate the work of the Spirit to our neighbors. We need love like we've never needed it before. We need peace. We need goodness. And this is the, 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 the work of the Spirit in the life of believers, is to bring about these attributes. And we tend to think about that this is how the Spirit works, that the Spirit is either gifting or the Spirit is bringing about fruit. But there is another work of the Holy Spirit that I want to show you. This is from 2 Timothy 1, uh, starting in verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan the flame, uh, to, uh, to fl fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. As we talked about a few weeks ago, walk in wisdom during this time to be sure. In other words, wash your hands, right? Be diligent, but don't be timid. Don't be scared. 
Don't be afraid. This is part of the Spirit's work in you and the Spirit's work in me. It is to help us to not be afraid. It is to help us to be bold. It is help us to walk with that courage. And I love how the, the points are laid out. He says, be bold with power. Because of the Spirit, we have this internal power at work in us to help us face anything that we need to face. Crippling fear kicks in when the thing that you're facing, when you think that is the biggest thing in, in the world, the Spirit is reminding us that our God, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ is the biggest thing in the world, and it is meant to quiet our fears, that he is bigger than COVID-19. He is bigger than everything, and so we receive a spirit of boldness from that. He says, be bold with, with power, understanding that the Spirit is giving you everything you need to face the challenges you are facing. So I know that there are days, because I have felt this way before, there are days when you're like, man, can I continue on? I'm so discouraged. I'm so frustrated. I'm so angry. There are days like that, but the Spirit is reminding you, no, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is at work in you, and I am giving you every piece of power that you need to face the obstacles you are facing. So jump back into the game, right? Jump back into the game. You are receiving the power to live out your current calling, Number two is be bold with love. Right now is a time where we might feel tempted to kind of be self-centered, to back off of love. But right now is a time in our culture's history and in a time in Illinois' history where we need to hit the accelerator on love. And listen, it is easy to love people who are like you. It is easy to love people who are in the same political agenda as you, on the same side of the aisle, but right now, what we need most in one of the most challenging seasons our state has ever faced is we need to demonstrate how we love people that are different from us. Because right now, I don't know if you're sensing it too, I am sensing a movement from fear in our culture to anger, frustration, and angst. And I get that. I have my days too where I'm angry, and then I try to remember, no, the Spirit is giving me everything I need to face the challenges that I face, but right now the Spirit is also calling on me to love. I love this text from Matthew 5. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect." This is gonna be a bold statement, but I believe it's true. The greatest opportunity, maybe in our lifetime, is ahead of us right now. And it is to demonstrate by the power of the Holy Spirit, to demonstrate a love that is different. A love that is different. A love that shows love to people that are different from us. The Spirit is always leading us to this loving place, to this radical place, to this 
different kind of love. I mentioned before, but we're going to do a series. I, I think it's, um, even though it was planned months ago, I think it is a timely series for us, the summer of love, where we're just going to, like a, like a diamond, examine this issue of love from every angle and to see what God might be calling us to. The other thing he says right now is be bold and self-discipline. So be bold in power, understanding you have every power you need to face the challenges that you are facing. Be bold with love, specifically love people that are different than you, that have a different political ideology than you, that that have a different political bent than you. The the Spirit is leading us to this love, and then be bold with self-discipline. This challenges me because during this pandemic, I have let some of my self-discipline go. I've been eating too much. I've been consuming too much media. And this is a reminder to me that the spirit wants to lead me to this place of self-discipline. Why? So I don't become too focused on things and instead maintain my focus on Christ. That's what self-discipline does. It says, man, I'm not gonna focus all of my energy on like what I'm gonna eat next or on on what I'm gonna watch next or what I'm gonna consume next. I'm not gonna focus all of my energy on that. Instead, what self-discipline does is it helps me to remember to focus my energy on the Lord Jesus Christ. So what made the disciples so different? Between just a couple chapters before, afraid, hiding, a little bit disengaged, going back to what they knew before. Well, the first thing is they'd receive the Holy Spirit. And the second thing that happened is they had become absolutely convinced in those couple chapters in between of the resurrection. And when your leader conquers the grave and your leader defeats death and your leader promises to do the same thing for you, it changes the way you approach fear It changes the way you approach death, and it even changes the way you approach life. When you believe that our eternal life starts the minute we put our faith into Jesus, that eternal life is not something that happens after we pass, our eternal life has started right now. Someday it will be perfected. Right now it's kind of messy and hard, but it's still life. Jesus is always giving us life. When when you believe that, it changes everything. Listen. Early on in this, some pastors were saying, you know, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. And, and one pastor in particular I, I saw made a comment about, hey, death is our friend. Listen, with all due respect, death is not our friend. Death is a product of the fall of man and sin. God has placed inside of us a desire for life, specifically a desire for eternal life. So death is not our friend, but listen, Death is also not something to be feared. Because of our risen Lord and because of our risen Savior and because of the spirit that he has given everyone who puts their faith in him, death has been defeated in Christ. So death is not, death is not something uh, to yearn for. It's not our friend, but it's also not something to be feared. Your last breath here is not your last breath. We have life today and we have life forever in our Lord Jesus Christ. And when you're, if you're anything like me, 
When someone starts to talk to you about the resurrection, you probably think, yes, I believe the resurrection. Jesus rose from the dead. We celebrated it a few weeks ago at Easter. Yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. And we tend to think about that as a fact of our faith. I believe that happened. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. But faith doesn't stop there. Faith says, I don't believe that just happened to and for Jesus. I believe, this is what faith says, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and he is going to do the same thing in me. That's what faith says. I believe he's gonna do the same thing in me. He will defeat death in me. He will raise me from the dead. I will live forever with my God. So these are the two things that happened with the, with the apostles. Why at kind of the end of the gospels, you see them afraid, denying, uh, 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 intimidated, you know, off in the upper room. And why just a few chapters later, you say Peter stand up before a large crowd and say, the title of my sermon today is you killed Jesus, but there's hope. And how with great boldness and a loud voice, he proclaims to them the gospel. It's almost like two different people and in a way that it is. He had received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit giving him a sense of power, love, and self-discipline. But he had also become, he had become completely convinced of the resurrection of his Lord. And these two things, it was like a different person. So my prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that maybe yesterday was one type of day and you were anxious and afraid and you feel like you're stuck in an upper room and, and, and it's hard and you're full of all of this anxiety. My prayer is that that was yesterday and that today you would be reminded that you as a believer in Jesus, you have the spirit of Christ inside of you, power, a power to face every challenge you are going to face. Not just in this pandemic, for a lifetime. You have power, you have love, you have self-discipline. The Spirit is giving you everything you need to face the challenge that you are facing and that you would be reminded of that and your heart would be filled with joy. But you would also be reminded of our risen Lord who conquered his grave and promises to conquer ours. And that today would be, yesterday was one type of day and that today would be another type of day. That because of those true truths, the spirit and the resurrection, that you would lay down your fear today. You would lay down your anxiety and you would have a joy, a hope, a peace, a sense of mission in our Lord Jesus Christ. My prayer is that the truth of the resurrection and the power of the spirit would, would, would move from a truth that is in our head, yeah, I believe that, to a truth in our heart. That I will not just believe it, but I will be changed by it. I will be settled by it. I will be comforted by it. And yes, I will be emboldened by it. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus and for his example. I pray that the power of the Spirit would be felt by every person listening to my voice right now, and that we would understand that we have that spirit of power, that spirit of love, and that spirit of self-discipline, and that we are not afraid. We are not intimidated. Instead, we walk with great courage, and that the power of the resurrection 
would move not just from our, not, not just in our, it would move not just to being in our head, a fact of the faith we believe, but it would move to our hearts. And again, we would be changed by it, settled by it, comforted by it, and emboldened by it. It is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. This is an opportunity at home uh, to grab some juice, some uh, grape juice, to grab uh, some cracker and to receive communion together. I know it's different and it's not the same. It's, it's not supposed to be the same. It's, it's just kind of filling in right now to, to when we can receive it all together. But um, it is an important time uh, to, to remember Jesus who models the truths of this sermon uh, perfectly, who walked with great courage and knew the power of the resurrection because he is the power of the resurrection. So he reminds us of these two truths every Lord's Day when we receive communion. It is a reminder that, man, we have his spirit. He went to the cross, we have his spirit. He resurrected from the dead, we have his spirit. And so allow that truth to fill you with joy, hope, and peace. I love you. I can't wait to see you soon. God bless.